Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It is, and it's showing me a vision of the future from the other side of the planet. Ooh. To listen to this show, find us on 4iradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. So we've got a lot of business to get into, but we're talking about Spider-Woman this time. Every Spider-Woman cartoon ever made and podcasted about i fucked that up real hard hey all it's all all one of them is what we're talking about (laughs) so you know but 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 before we get into that yeah we got a lot of business but a lot of fun business and special announcements and everything so strap in y'all overhyping this probably but anyway first of all (laughs) we did have some word snappers last week yeah those word snappers were holy pumpkin aardvarks submitted by lillian could there have been a more perfect episode to slide that into than one featuring approximately 8 million pumpkin bombs? <laughs> right? Yeah, perfect. Beautiful. Beautiful timing. <laughs> yeah, and Word Snappers, if you don't know, is a game we play with our patrons on Patreon. Um, if you're a patron at any level, you can submit some words that we have to work into an episode that we record that month. No matter how weird they are, like Holy Pumpkin Aardvarks, I, that's a... Amazing combination of words that I would have put together, <laughs> and we had to make it work, uh, work them in. So uh, join us on Patreon if you want to play along. So since this episode is dropping on the first day of December, we have some special goodies that we're giving you all for December. Special gifts, if you will, for this holiday season. We are unlocking some of our favorite Patreon-exclusive episodes for everybody, for everyone. These are some of our favorite spider bites and after our commentary that we thought were really fun and good and cool. So if if you've never been part of our Patreon, that's cool. You can have access to some of our our really cool exclusive content. Plus, plus a brand new spider bite that we're going to be releasing this month will also be unlocked to everyone so yeah check us out on our patreon patreon.com slash walloping web snappers but can tell you right now um, we'll probably have like a pin post that lists all of these but our very first spider bite on the spider-man life story graphic novel and then the first two parts of our four-part mini-series of spider bites on the unmade spider-man films we're unlocking those first two episodes to the episode that's on all of the 80s films, including like a horror one, just an utterly wacky one where like they use the American flag as a parachute and Doc Ock says okie dokie just as a little taste. Oh, God. Wild stuff. <laughs> um, as well as the James Cameron scriptment that was released, which we even do a little little dramatic reading of, a, of, a, oh, of the worst yeah. possible section of it. 
Um, oh god, those ones are really good, by the way. Derek did an incredible amount of research for those to make sure that we were covering those properly, and uh, they deserve they deserve your time. They're so good. Yeah, they were really fun. They were really, really, really fun to do. Some of the best stuff that we did on our Patreon, I would say. Oh, totally. Yeah. We also are releasing one of our After Dark commentaries. Those <laughs> those are episodes that are for our Spectacular and Up patrons, so like our, our top tier patrons. But we're still going to release that to everyone. The one we're releasing, I think, is probably the favorite, our favorite commentary that we've done there. Yeah. Which is our commentary on Kim Possible. So much fun. I'd never seen it before. Yeah, yeah. And it was a really fun episode to watch. It was also just a really fun episode. We were just in a great mood that day, I guess. We drank. I think that was, yeah, that was really, because it was like. For right those the, episodes. Yeah, it was right at like the top of COVID too. So like, I think we were just a little, going a little bit uh, insane. Yeah. And that plus alcohol made it a really fun episode. But uh, that's, Beautiful. yeah, it's definitely one of our favorites. And last but not least, certainly, is our brand new spider bite that we're going to be dropping later this month, date TBD, but uh, but we'll add it to the uh, Patreon post once it's released. It is going to be on Spectacular Spider-Man's Future Plans. Yes! So, yeah. So, you know, last week we did our, our actual final Spectacular Spider-Man episode, but, you know. We're not ready to let it go. Yeah. And there was a lot happening in that one, so I don't feel like we really we really had a great chance to, like, talk about all of our overall feelings on the whole series. So, like, a great way to talk about that is through seeing what would have been or what might have been yeah that'll be a really fun episode to do really excited to hang out with that so check out our patreon for all those episodes you know and just keep an eye out for when that spectacular spider-man episode drops later this month as well but it's like a charcuterie board of patreon content you can just sort of pick and choose or try everything yeah yeah absolutely and if you really like it then you know you can become a patron and you have access to everything that we've done (laughs) there's lots of episodes so yeah but yeah so that's all of our our major business Let's get on to the wonderful topic at hand, which is the 1979 Spider-Woman cartoon. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We've had people ask us about doing this uh, show before. Like, we've had people be like, I think you guys should do the Spider-Woman cartoon. Yeah. Or ask us, like, can you please do it? Because, you know, we say we're every Spider-Man ever, so, like, we could be discriminatory, but we're not. It's every every Spider-Person. Every Spider-Person ever. I think we would have landed on this naturally, but I don't think when we were, like, making plans to start a Spider-Man cartoon podcast that this was, like, automatically at the front of our brains. So I'm actually glad people asked specifically because I think we got to it probably sooner than we might have. Sure. And uh, it it lets us know that people are waiting for it. So I love that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I'm pumped having seen a few. We've already watched one before, learning about it, being admittedly somebody who, like, doesn't know that much about Spider-Woman. This is, like, exciting new territory. Yeah, same here. Oh, yeah, that's funny. I didn't even I, I didn't even really think to mention. I almost I kind of forgot about it. One of our earliest After Dark commentaries that we did was on Spider Woman. I think partially because we weren't sure like if we were ever going to like cover it officially on our show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you can listen to our very first viewing of Spider Woman on our Patreon. It's like our, <laughs> I think our third After Dark commentary that we did, maybe or something like that. So yeah. maybe second. I don't know. It's an early one. Yeah. So. Yeah, this show is really fun. I have a little bit of production notes, but not really much. It's honestly a really straightforward making of for this series, which is which is cool. 
I think it's good stuff. I actually wasn't sure what you were going to put together for production stuff. And I'm glad this is the stuff you came up with because I was running into a little bit of it and was starting to be like, should I write some of this stuff down? Only to discover you got it covered already. (laughs) You know, I love this stuff, this behind the scenes fun stuff. So the, the fun thing about this cartoon is that if you're familiar with like the Jessica Drew comics, and watch this show, you'll see that this show has, like, is so vastly different from Jessica Drew in the <laughs> comics. Uh, but despite that, like, they're very deeply interlinked, like, in the creation of one another. Yeah. The series and original character of Spider-Woman mostly happened because at a certain point in, in the late 70s, Filmation, which is another animation company that's done a, a, ton, of, a ton of stuff that, that you've seen before, they were sort of like, let's create a cartoon called Spider-Woman. Completely unrelated to Marvel, certainly because they knew of Spider-Man and kind of wanted to cash in on that, right? Like, it makes sense. Um, And Marvel is like, "Mm, hold up. (laughs) Our flagship (laughs) character is Spider-Man. We don't want another company to cash in on that. So let's stop them, use our wondrous powers to create our own Spider-Woman, get that copyrighted really quickly, and lock that down. So that drove them to very quickly create Spider-Woman slash Jessica Drew in 1977. She was just released in like kind of a one shot um, issue, not even really intended, I think to be like an ongoing character. The only reason that she really <laughs> became an ongoing character is because the, the one comic she appeared in was very popular, which, you know, I get it. Yeah. I, I just read it like uh, last week. Oh really? Yep. I totally get why. It, it, actually, I think she, I think she debuted with the thing. Like she was part of a thing story. Uh, and I, I definitely get it. I sent you a picture of it. Her costume is like slightly different and uh, very different beginning of that story than this story. So I would yeah. recommend it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't read it. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, because I think they do tweak some stuff when she shows up later on, like after after that one hot shot issue, the next shot next time she shows up, like obviously they they change her costume to have hair. Um but also I think they might change her a little bit of her backstory, maybe. I'm not I sure. would be shocked if they didn't, based on what I read last week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have zero zero now. I am I am I am a complete like Jessica Drew novice, honestly. So <laughs> <laughs> this makes total sense though, because I think I was reading a quote, I'll have to find it so we can include it. But I was reading a quote from Stan Lee that basically said, like, we kinda had to do this, you know, like there are all sorts of other instances of this happening with you know, Power Man and Power Girl and Wonder Boy and Wonder Woman and like all these sort of characters where it's like, if we don't really snatch up these names, you know, it's kind of a, not technically a Wild West situation out there, but it's not like today where like the people are just going to come at you with pitchforks for doing a thing that's taboo. Like if they, if they could get away with doing it, they just do it. Yeah, exactly. The funny thing is that that filmation character they did continue with the character and made the show, <laughs> uh, but they just renamed her Web Woman. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, she was actually she was actually voiced by Linda Gary, who voiced the '90s Aunt May. Just funny little connection there. Beautiful. Yeah. So, like I said, Spider Woman's like her early comic appearances. I think were unexpectedly popular, given that they kind of threw her character together just for copyright reasons. People still liked it. Like like we said, she's cool. So they're like, okay, well, hey. We're gonna make a we're gonna one up filmation again by not only stealing their attempt to capitalize on on Spider Woman, we're actually gonna make our own Spider Woman cartoon because she's popular anyway. So why not? So the animated series was developed by Stan Lee himself, and it was to be produced by uh, DePatty Freelang Enterprises, 
I'm not sure if that if I pronounced that right, but you know, whatever. <laughs> they're just white guys. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> that uh, that company was known for doing the Pink Panther cartoons. They did a bunch of entries into Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. They did the uh, Dr. Seuss TV specials, and they did the lightsaber effects in the original Star Wars. I which love that. Amazing. Yeah, I love that. So Spider Woman was created. She was the first Marvel superhero to headline her own animated series, probably her own series in general, I think, her own TV series in general. Uh, that said, it didn't last for very long, uh, mostly because it ended up being the last cartoon um, from that animation company, which was then sold to Marvel, which then became Marvel Productions and did stuff like Spider-Man and Amazing, His Amazing Friends and the 1981 show and stuff like that. But... Fun fact, for one year, Spider-Woman aired on ABC alongside Super Friends. So ABC was airing DC and Marvel heroes at the same time. It's almost like the companies don't hate each other. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Weird. As long as they're making money, that's all that matters. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing I would love to add to this, because we're talking just Spider-Woman creation in general, not necessarily specific to the cartoon, though it definitely informs it because they're intertwined spider woman's costume like the actual sort of final costume probably without the hair was designed by a woman named marie severin who is a massive contributor to like comics history that i think is often overlooked but recently has sort of like come back to the forefront because i think she died recently like within the past few years or so Hmm. i didn't know about her i learned about her by learning about spider woman and i listened to a 12 minute podcast uh real real quick bite Hmm. just about marie severin from sci-fi wire and a series called forgotten women of genre and it's all about her and she's she's really cool and i i hope that um I hope that she gets a lot more recognition moving forward. She was a woman working in the industry that I think contributed a lot more than conventions allowed for her to be credited for. Sure. So I don't even think that if you looked at her credits, it would accurately reflect what she did. But she seems like rad as fuck. And so I just want to drop her name, Marie Severin, so people can look into her because she seems awesome. Is, so she was primarily like an artist? Her she was design? primarily an artist. I think a lot of her credits specifically at Marvel ended up being as colorist. But okay. from what that podcast sort of talked about was she was sort of a jack of all trades. So she had an official position at Marvel in like merchandising and stuff. But she actually has some credits in coloring and likely should have credits in coloring and art in places where she probably doesn't. Mm-hmm. And prior to working at Marvel, she worked on like horror comics and war comics and stuff like that. And I can't wait to like find some of her stuff because she seems like she was really sort of like detail oriented and cared a lot about what she did. And because she was a woman in a male dominated field, you know, she worked harder than they did a lot of the time just to like even be in the room. So sure. I'm really excited specifically to find her horror comics because I, I, uh, I the podcast spoke highly of them. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds fascinating. Primarily an artist for sure. Yeah. Funny how all that works though, huh? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> hey, you know, it's cool that she uh that she got to participate in the creation of of Spider-Woman cuz she's a cool she's a cool gal. Seems like a cool yeah. character. So. Right, I feel like the way that this show is, based on the little we've watched so far, mm-hmm. it only seems fair to mention Marie Severin. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So yeah. Gotta gotta throw her name out there. Yeah, you know, I'm already a little bit impressed. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because like 1979 is sort of like 
is that that's like second wave feminism, right? At that time, um, I that sounds right, but I, I don't fact check me. <laughs> I, yeah, I think so. And I so I feel like this show is definitely created with that in mind, like intentionally, mm-hmm. you know. And so like you have your times where it's very much like trying to hammer in like just because she's a woman, she can do it too. But I was yeah. surprised that even with that, it's not super prominent. Like she's just a really capable character you know like they don't i was i was expecting at least at this point we've only seen two episodes so far um, is what both of us has watched yeah but i was expecting there to be a little more cringy stuff in regards to like the type of feminism that the show is probably going to have and i was kind of impressed that i don't really see a lot of it she's just like if anything she just kind of upstages the dudes a lot (laughs) Uh, yeah right i am i am surprised pleasantly of course that it's less of that and more like subtle and nuanced stuff. Yeah. That is a bit more situational and a bit more real world and feels less like a proclamation every, you know, every every time somebody questions her. I can't wait to get to some of those moments. There's one especially next week that I can't wait to get into. Right. Well, especially if you compare to like Amazing Friends, which intentionally created like Firestar for they like cited like we're <laughs> feminists <a> dog. <laughs> we're feminists and we're going to create a female dog named ms lion to uh-huh. show how feminist we are um and yet firestar is constantly just falling in love with villains and like doesn't know anything that's ever <laughs> happening like firestar rules but she's also written terribly at the right. same time um yeah. and i don't feel like that shows in this show at least yet partially probably because she is the solo hero rather yep. than being part of a team of dudes that are lusting after her but you know so far in, in in the two we've watched, the only person that hits on her is someone that she doesn't seem to really reciprocate yeah. feelings for. So, you know. So far, iconic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, let's get into it. The show is fun. So if you want to watch along with us, um, it is available on Disney Plus. Super accessible. We're watching the first episode of Spider-Woman, season one, episode one, entitled Pyramids of Terror. The synopsis per IMDb is... The Justice Magazine crew investigate an alien invasion in Egypt, led by the mummy Khufu, or maybe Khufu, depending on, like, where you're reading. According to IMDb, it's Khufu, and find Spider-Man already on the scene. The original air date was September 22nd, 1979, and it was written by Jeffrey Scott. He's actually credited in every episode, according to IMDb at least. We'll see as we continue watching. IMDb only lists like one other additional writer for a later episode. So I'll check back on that and see if that remains throughout the entire series. He is one that we've talked about before. He actually wrote the first episode of the 1981 series as well as a number of other episodes after that. Direction-wise, since this is a 1979 show, they just list every animation director for every single episode at the end of every single episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to list them now, and then you know we won't have to say them every single episode because uh, it's always going to be the same ones. But these are some familiar names, actually. So listed as directed by Bob Richardson, Jerry uh, Shinnequai, Sid Marcus, and David Detige. Like I said, all of them are credited for every episode, and really all but Detige also worked on the 1981 Spider-Man show and Amazing Friends. So they're familiar people. They also worked on pretty much every concurrent production in the early 80s that you could think of. So pretty prominent guys. Also, Bob Richardson, if you recognize that name, it's because he also did all the directing and character design (laughs) on the 90s Spider-Man the Animated Series. So we've talked about him quite a bit before. Good old Bob. Good old Bob. But Detige, since he didn't work on other Spider-Man shows, just worth pointing out, he is actually more prominent as a writer, particularly on a bunch of Looney Tunes and Pink Panther cartoons. We should watch a Pink Panther episode at some point. We should. I, I would think be that'd down be with fun. That. I yeah. think. I didn't watch a lot of it, so 
I don't know, but I'd be down. Yeah. I mean, I'm any of those, like, just... It's like uh, a gumshoe show, right? I think, um... Like a private eye type thing? I think it more... I mean, Pink Panther, like, the movies are... I feel like the cartoons may be skewed more towards just basic Looney Tunes stuff. Gotcha. Eh, we'll see. But I like his character <laughs> design, and he never talks, I think. I think. So <laughs> that lends to a different energy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, now that I... Re- I watched plenty of them, but now I'm thinking I don't remember... That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Pardon our brainstorming uh, as we as we do this episode. Nah, but. people love it, right? They love just hearing yeah. podcasts be made yeah. on totally. live on the air. <laughs> One of my favorite podcasts is literally like half the podcast is this them deciding what to do next week. So That's I'm so I'm here for it. It's also funny when you hear all of that and then they end up not doing what they plan. It's just like yeah. two years later and they're like, you know, they never did that little mini series. They were seem to be very excited about. Exactly. <laughs> well, since this is a new series, obviously there are going to be a lot of folks to talk about actor wise. One thing that is very characteristic, I think, of the time, it seems like, is that we get sort of like a full slate of the voice cast. And only some of them are specifically identified as regular characters. And the rest of them are just kind of always thrown up there as like, here's your voice cast. You know what I mean? So here's what I've decided to do. I'm going to talk about three of them this week, three of them next week. And I'm going to mention this week, basically, like, there's like 12 people that just are kind of always there (laughs) as the voice cast right and we might not always know exactly who's voicing whom but some of them we do so here's who we know spider woman aka jessica drew is voiced by joan van ark it seems like if you have somebody in your life who's a big soap opera fan they might know her by name she's best known for the character valine valine i'm gonna guess valine ewing on dallas and its spinoff series knots landing she did receive best actress awards at the soap opera digest awards for the character twice she also originated the role of gloria abbott on the young and the restless before the role was picked up by a different actress because soap operas Van Ark also voiced the character Moray, an orphan girl raised by dolphins and who protects the sea, (laughs) in the Tarzan and the Super 7 segment series Manta and Moray, which just so happened to also be aired alongside the Web Woman series, the aforementioned Web Woman series. So funny. (laughs) Yeah. So the woman who goes on to be Spider-Woman is in a series with... Web woman. I love That's that. hilarious. I love it. <laughs> she's been in it. I was, I was scrolling through her stuff and she's one of those people where like, if you think you don't know who she is, yep. like she's been in, she's at least been in something that like a show that you've seen, like totally. as a guest role. She's still acting now. She was in like a doom patrol episode last year, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, <laughs> and other fun fact. I think we might've brought this up at some point, but I don't remember when um, her daughter is Vanessa Marshall, who voices Mary Jane in Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> I love that. So the next person, I'm basically, what I'm doing this week is mentioning like the main trio. And then next week we'll talk about like the supporting trio. So Jeff Hunt, who is her coworker slash boss slash some creepy guy sometimes. I don't think she's always her around. Boss. I don't think he's her boss, even though I don't even we'll though have she, to get into that. We it's will have weird. to get yeah, into we'll, that. We'll, we'll, we'll try to figure it out as we go along. He is voiced by Bruce Miller, who is actually a South African stage performer who was born in Bulawayo, which is the largest city now in Zimbabwe, 
but at the time was, I guess, part of Southern Rhodesia. I mention all of that just because I don't want to get anything wrong. I don't want to be disrespectful. Sure, yeah. A big chunk of his career credits are for South African stage productions, including musicals such as Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, where he was Joseph, and Godspell, where he was Jesus. So pretty big deal. Hmm. And a super cool thing. At least during the first decade of the 2000s, Miller worked in South African radio dramas, both as an actor and a director. And from what I could see, it seemed like he was maybe part of, and this is a little hard because, you know, anything I was I was reading was sort of putting pieces together. But it seems like maybe he was part of like a wave of folks who were trying to like revitalize radio drama Interesting. Um, in South Africa, uh, which I think is pretty cool. That's one of those one of those people where it's just like, how did you end up? In Hollywood doing voice yeah. acting for cartoons. Like, yeah, because he has barely <laughs> any Hollywood credits. Like, he has tons of theater credits, especially in South Africa. And he has a lot of radio credits, it seems like, in South Africa. But if you were only to dig here, like, he would just seem like nobody. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's so strange. Like, I, <laughs> I have no know. idea. I'm very curious about his story. Like, Yeah. <laughs> All I know is, like, he's from, he's you know, he's from what was Southern Rhodesia. He studied in England. And I assume somehow... By studying either theater or something in, in England, he got connected to Hollywood? I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I have no idea. He must have run into somebody. Sure. And then finally, Billy Drew, who is Jessica's nephew, is voiced by Brian Scott. And this is a show that if we don't actually do a commentary for, you and I just need to watch at some point. <laughs> he okay. portrayed the titular character in Kid Video a Deke and Saban series that IMDb describes as being about a teen rock band abducted into a cartoon fantasy world called The Flipside, where music is the key to defeating their enemies and finding their way home, which sounds rad as fuck. And I watched like the first four minutes of it and then stopped because I was like, I think we'll enjoy this if we ever get to it. <laughs> is it a 90s show or an 80s show? I believe it's a late 80s show and the the... The people who play or who who do the voices for those characters also portray them in like the intro where they are like on screen real life people. So it's about like oh. real life people who get sucked into a cartoon land that huh. is like music themed. <laughs> it's like it's, it's wild. Like, have you seen Captain N and the whatever? I don't remember what the. I don't think I've ever is. seen it, but I know of it. It's like the Nintendo show. Yeah, but it's the same deal where it's just like a live action kid getting sucked into a fantasy <laughs> world, a cartoon fantasy world that's full of video game characters that don't look anything like the actual video game characters. Yeah, it sounds like that, but just with like music and not as strong a licensing property or licensed sure. property. <laughs> Fascinating. Okay, I'm down with, with digging yep. that up and checking it out. Yep, yep. <laughs> Um, worth mentioning, Spider-Man is in this episode, and he's voiced by Paul Souls. He's not actually credited for this, but he appears, it seems like, a few times over the course of this series. Yeah. Seems like a natural thing to do. We're not going to talk about him a lot because he's the voice of the 1967 Spider-Man series, which we haven't covered. So it feels like, doesn't feel entirely proper to discuss him in full here since we will cover the 60s show at some point. But it's worth sure. mentioning that he is the 1967 Spider-Man as well. It is cool because if you think about it, this was like 10 years after he stopped mm -hmm. being Spider-Man and he still came back to do it and they still got him back to do it, which is yeah. uh, which is neat. I know. I had to double check that because I was like, wait a second. How long after after he was Spider-Man would this have been? And it was a while. So yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
Character-wise, we do get introduced to the character Kuthu. I don't believe he ever returns. I think this is the single appearance of Kuthu across all Marvel universes. I have no idea. I tried to figure out who voices him. I don't know. So this is where I'm going to mention that, like, in addition to these three credited folks, I'm going to mention three more next week. But typically, it just lists a dozen folks that are, like, the voice cast. Sure. So in instances where we can't actually identify who's voicing whom, just assume that it's it's somebody from the voice cast. And it might <laughs> even be somebody that we mentioned. Like, there's nothing that says, for example, like... Bruce Miller didn't voice Kuthu. Like, we just have no idea. <laughs> it's definitely Joan Van Ark, and she's just that good of an actress that oh, she changes her 100%. 100%. Sometimes we might be able to figure it out, but yeah, it's just I think it's just a characteristic of these types of shows, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Kuthu is so interesting just because his name is different, no, like, everywhere you look and, and depending on what the captions say. Because, yeah. like, sometimes it has some H's in different places. Sometimes the captions say Khufu with an F, and it does sound like they're saying Khufu sometimes. So I don't know yeah. what's going on. We'll get into this a little bit more. And we, we briefly touched on well, – you briefly touched on it. I want to credit this properly. You briefly touched on this in our commentary – there's not a lot of cultural knowledge going on in this episode. We're, I wouldn't expect any. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's going to be a common theme with this series, and we're going to do our best as two white dudes to like appropriately discuss it. But I do think, I saw somewhere that Kuthu, if that is what they are calling him, is a reference to an actual Egyptian pharaoh, I think, named Khufu. And okay. so it's understandable to me that, like, if he was Khufu based on Khufu, that, like, the subtitles we watch, which are often imperfect, might oh, do yeah. something like that. But, yeah, similar to, like, the crediting thing for characters like this that only appear once, like, it's entirely possible that we're spelling it wrong all three ways we're spelling it. You know what I mean? It also might have been inconsistent in the script that they had. Exactly. These aren't, like, <laughs> this, this, this isn't a show where there's like an amazing amount of care put into the writing of it. And I don't yeah. even mean that as like shade. That's like the charm of, of this era of cartoons. They were just kind of pumping them out yeah. as best that they could, you know? So it's like, who cares? Like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> all right. Anything else that we should mention before we dive in? No, I don't think so. This show, uh, you know, like I said, if you want to get our first impressions, I think it, it is worth going oh back boy. and listening to that commentary on our on our Patreon because we had no idea what to expect. And this first episode is bananas. So <laughs> how was this the first? Did you I didn't go back and listen to it because I, I, I plan I on either. listening to it after we discuss it here. Yeah, I didn't want to change like exactly. Like, change my, <laughs> any of my OK, OK. We're in the same boat then. But I can only imagine that we were totally lost. Yeah. So I can't wait to find out. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, so diving in. This series and every episode herein opens with an origin story for Spider-Woman. And I I didn't actually check, so maybe they drop it halfway through, but I'm assuming it's just part of the intro and it's going to be there every episode. So we're going to cover it here and then probably never talk about it again. Here's the story of Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman. As a child, Jessica Drew visited her father's laboratory. She was bit by a poisonous spider. In a successful attempt to save her life with spider serum, I think 34. I forgot to look if to see if that was significant in any way. 
Uh, Jessica's father unknowingly gave her superpowers, and they are different superpowers, as we will discuss over the course of this episode, <laughs> as Spider-Man, but they are similar in some ways. So uh, that is her... Also different depending on the episode, too. So <laughs> Very true, which feels appropriate for uh, an early superhero from, gosh, what, 40 years ago at this point? Uh-huh. So that's her thing. Instead of being bit by the spider that gave her powers, she got powers from being saved from venomous spider bite. Sure. Just slightly different. Whatever. Works for me. I do like the fact that they say as a child, meaning that she either had these powers for a long time or they just sort of like took a while to manifest like an X gene. I don't know. We're never going to get an explanation. I just like thinking about it. I didn't even think about that. That's interesting. She looks (laughs) like she's maybe 12 years old at the oldest when she gets bit yeah yeah (laughs) definitely that is so funny yeah well you know this show i'm um just from just from the opening alone and then there's shades of it throughout the show too it's interesting that even though she's meant to be sort of like the female spider-man she's really more of a superman xp in a lot of ways like they really take a lot from superman like the fact that you you do have like this early life manifestation of her powers or granting of her powers or, or or something you know like Superman like becoming powered. At, I mean he's born with powers technically, but you'll see like his his young life and everything. But also mm-hmm. you know she she's a reporter. She works at oh she, yeah um, <laughs> the opening of the Spider Woman like before the theme song. The opening of this intro is look up on the building. It's Spider Woman. Um, <laughs> yep. Like they have no shame about that. It's just, it's an interesting choice because Spider Man is right there, but they don't try to. It's not a Spider Man show at all. It's very much yeah. like a Superman show ultimately, which is such an. It's so I'm not mad about it because it honestly like weirdly helps differentiate her more because she's Spider Man, but not at all Spider Man like whatsoever. So I don't I, know. I, I think it's really interesting, and I was kind of surprised by how separate she is from Spider-Man, both in this series, but also in her early appearances in the comics. Yeah. Like, in this, obviously, we're going to see in just a moment, she's familiar with Spider-Man. She refers to him as an old friend, but more in, like, a chummy way and less in, like, a we intimately know each other way. Right. And in the comics, she, like, actively avoids being associated with him in her first however many appearances. So it's, like, interesting to me that as opposed to what we're now used to with like the Spider-Verse being a common sort of mainstream concept, instead of trying to come up with like, here's an interesting slight variation on Spider-Man that has a butterfly effect. They basically said like, she's kind of similar in name only, but other than that, we're going to keep her real separate. Yeah. I kind of dig it based on what they ended up doing. I do too, because it is, I mean, that's an unfortunate side to like a lot of female superheroes is that they are just like, the woman version of the man superhero. And with Spider-Woman, like, even though she technically is that, she isn't at all. She's like, not. She's so she's really wildly not. different. <laughs> she's not She's not a legacy character. She's no. not just a gender swap version. You know, her costume no. isn't anything like Spider-Man's at all. No. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's funny because, like, it's I know, like, in, the comics are different than what the show is. But in both cases, she's very, very, very separate from yeah. Spider-Man. Yep. I haven't gotten far enough in the comics, but it seems like she like I don't I I can't even tell yet based on the what three issues I've read, I can't even tell if Spider Man knows she exists. Like I love that it makes <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. Anyway, we're talking about a cartoon though, so that's what we open with is her origin story. The episode proper opens in Egypt, and this is going to be a thing we're going to see I think throughout the whole series. It's very global. We we go all over the place in this mm-hmm. series, which is kind of neat. Very not like New York. 
So it opens in Egypt where, amidst a terrible sandstorm, a large purple pyramid rises to the desert surface from seemingly underground. A bunch of local residents immediately begin prostrating at the sight of the pyramid, Yikes. seemingly worshipping it. What the Yikes. fuck? Yikes. Um, I don't even know if we commented on that last time, but that's fucked up. Yeah. And a boy named Abdul is, which I'm honestly surprised that they came up with like an even relatively appropriate name. Yeah. But a boy named Abdul is nearly blown into the side of a nearby building and Spider-Man saves him. Uh, Spider-Woman, not the first Spider-Person to appear on the show. But I, I like how they do this. Do they ever explain why Spider-Man is there? Did I miss that? They don't explain why Spider-Man is in Egypt. He just happens to be in Egypt. Okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's just vacationing. He's on a he's on an assignment, sure, whatever. Yeah. I yeah. don't I don't love how they just drop him in there, but I love how they use him to introduce Spider-Woman. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense cuz they could have done it in so many worse ways than they actually do it here. Yeah. Spider-Man's like useless in this episode in hilarious ways, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yep. No, I am surprised that like they did attempt to not just make it a bunch of white people because for some reason Egypt is often full of white people in, in older media a lot of times. So Honestly, <laughs> the fact that like any of these people aren't just white when Hollywood still does that uh -huh. is uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. Shouldn't be, but is. Yeah. Yep. Still, still real fucked up that like all these people in – 1979 Egypt just throw themselves on the ground to worship a pyramid because it pops out of the ground. Yeah. I mean, they also all look like they're all very clearly drawn to look like they're from Aladdin, like they're like Aladdin's yeah. time period and everything too. So, totally. you know, if the bar is in hell, the fact that they <laughs> acknowledge really that Egypt is like in, yeah. in a place where there are it just full of white people, like is all is that's just amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no stars but almost exactly, exactly. <laughs> so spider-man appears he's there on the scene he's in egypt he decides okay big purple pyramid that wasn't there three seconds ago kind of fishy he decides to investigate this newly emerged pyramid but when he finds a way inside he also finds himself face to face with a living mummy what Whoa. We'll get an explanation later. It's not a good one. But for now, he's just fighting a monster, which at this point, I'm like, okay, cool, monsters. Marvel has monsters, whatever. Mm -hmm. He attempts to web the mummy up, but the mummy vaporizes his webbing instantly and fires a finger laser at him, which knocks Spidey off the wall. Just um, like whatever Universal sure. mummy movie monster does, you know. Totally. Finger lasers, why not? Um, and Spider-Man falls directly into the mummy's arms, which would be sweet, except that the mummy doesn't like him. Aw. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. Nobody likes, no, nobody likes Spider-Man. Not in this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we cut back to the States at the County Art Museum. Jessica Drew and Jeff Hunt shoot a photo of Jessica with the mummy of King Coltut to uh, feature on the cover of Justice Magazine. Um, I love that she's Oprah and just puts herself on the cover of her own magazine. She does. She does. And, <laughs> and this is so I'm going to we're going to have to track this because this is point A in favor of it being Jessica being like the editor in chief of this because she specifically says this is going to look great for my cover yep. of 
the next Justice magazine. Like yep. she specifically says like my my issue of it. So like I think the way that it's set up here is that Jessica is the editor in chief, and Jeff is a photographer, maybe a high ranking photographer. Because it seems like only, like, two people work at this entire magazine that we ever see. Yeah, right. But still just a photographer who works for her. Put a pin in that <laughs> for Put later. Put a pin in that for, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah, so the two are discussing Egyptian mummification. It's a, I think it's a little bit intentionally there to, like, be a little bit teachy to the kids. Like, you yeah. know, Egyptians mummified people. Ahead of Ahead of all the worst stuff, I will say... This episode does try to at least acknowledge some real shit with Egyptian history. It yeah. tries to include some of it. It just doesn't do it right. <laughs> yeah, like there's some stuff where they're clearly <laughs> attempting to be educational in ways that like isn't awful. I mean, it's all the yeah. the basis stuff that like this is what a mummy is. <laughs> yep, that's it. Yep. <laughs> but you the, know. I think the thing that I like about the moments where they do this is that it ultimately and we'll revisit this ultimately does separate what they end up doing from reality they just don't do it well enough so i think like sure. them even acknowledging that like there was a process to mummification i think is an accidental point that they do get from me <laughs> yeah yeah no i think that's fair i i would agree with that still accidental yeah yeah so as they're discussing this jessica's spider sense goes off so Jessica's spider sense in this show, we learn very quickly, is just pretty much just like psychic premonitions. Yeah. Not even necessarily premonitions. Sometimes they're premonitions. Sometimes it's just telling her psychically something bad that's going on somewhere in the world. <laughs> like, yeah. in this case, you know, all the way in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, and I don't remember when it is, at some point she does refer to at least one of these as a spider vision. And I don't know if that was just like a slip in the script or if that will be a thing, but they do eventually acknowledge like this is more than just like, Oh no, things flying at my head. She also like, I don't know if it's in this episode or the the next one, but at one point she says, I'm picking up a spider sense. So they're they're almost like, like radio waves, like, like danger waves essentially (laughs) that she picks up on because I don't think I'm going to be interested to track it. I don't feel like her her spider sense ever alerts her of immediate danger. No. I think that the spider sense thing is just a misnomer in this case. It's not the same thing as what Spider-Man has. It is very specifically like a psychic power that she has because mm-hmm. sometimes she's just thrown into danger and nothing alerts her of it. So, you know. That's the a, closest it's a, she gets to that is being like, I have a bad feeling about this. Right. But it's never, like you said, like immediate, like someone's about to throw a punch at me or someone's about to shoot something at me. It's either very general or like specific, but a vision. We'll see if that remains consistent throughout the show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But at least at this this point, it's a nice, it's a nice way to move along the plot. Oh yeah. Cause she uh, detects trouble again, all the way in Egypt, detecting that Spider-Man is there facing trouble there. So she's like, okay, I'm probably gonna have to go to Egypt, but then, like, there's a tremor, and then Jeff's, like, has a reaction, and she's like, wait, you heard that too? Which is a funny subversion that she's, like, hearing, mm-hmm. she is recognizing that she's having a psychic vision, but then Jeff's, like, reacting to something that she's like, wait, I was just having a psychic vision in my head. What are you hearing? <laughs> and, and it's because he's actually hearing something just like what she heard is is more danger, which is Coltut's mummy coming alive and attacking them. Oh, no. So as Jessica is wondering, like, how can I duck away from this situation to transform into Spider-Woman, Jeff tells her to run away. Get away from here, Jessica. 
What what perfect timing. Can't wait to talk about Jeff as we go along this series. Jesus. I have Jeff so much to say about Jeff. sucks so much. Jeff oh, my God. He sucks so much. He's the most suckiest piece of <laughs> suck that has ever sucked. Jeff sucks yeah. so much. In, I think, a totally unintentional, entertaining way because we are going to rip Jeff to shreds. That's over true. And over. It's and it's over. unintentional. It is unintentional. Some sometimes I think it is intentional though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he That's really true. is like the butt monkey of the show in weird ways. Actually, um, you're right. I shouldn't even say it's unintentional because I think I don't think we're necessarily supposed to actively hate Jeff the way that you and I probably will. But I do think you're right. Yeah, there are, there are things they do with him that are very clearly meant to make him not someone we're rooting for in very specific moments or to be like, come on, Jeff. You know what I mean? Right. Well, but he's also a main cast member. So I can't imagine they were like, let's make a character who's in the main cast that everybody fucking hates. But I will say that I think that there's an intention just based on the two episodes that we've watched. Right. And then based on what happens just in this very scene is that, and this isn't like a deep insight or anything. This is very much of the times, but I think they're very much playing on, they are playing on gender roles with him because, uh, you know, Jeff is very frequently, as we'll see right here, trying to sort of play on very masculine stereotypes like, hey, woman, leave because you're going to you can't do anything. I, the man, will help. And then he's immediately like taken down or terrified or like thrown out of a window in this case. Like, what happens happens here is hilarious (laughs) because this is what we mentioned. One of the things that I think points to the weirdness of it where he tells Jessica to leave. Jessica's like, okay, you're the boss, which like, no, he's literally not. You are the editor in chief, Jessica, I think. But I don't know. That's probably going to keep coming. (laughs) she's like you're the boss and then uses that as an excuse to transform jeff who wants to stay behind to be manly and save the day does absolutely nothing Nothing. he just is scared of the mummy and then falls out of a window yep (laughs) jeff jeff is constantly wrong like the we should have a counter like the amount of times where Jeff makes an assertion and then is immediately undermined by somebody else. So many times. It's incredible. I love it so much. I this love is it. just the first of what will be dozens of times. Yep. And in this case, Jessica even jokes about it. It's so good. Because yep. Jeff falls out of the window almost to his death. He catches onto the curtains. I think the curtains like like rip, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. And then he falls. And that's when Jessica or Jessica transforms into Spider-Woman with her very Wonder Woman-esque spin into her Spider-Woman costume. Very, which, hey, yeah, very Wonder Woman, very amazing friends, very yeah. like, who needs a costume? I'm here <laughs> for I've got it, magic. Though. Works for her. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I don't care. She's That's the other Superman thing about her is that like she just gets new, new powers whenever she wants. She totally. can just tr- tr- go at super speed to do whatever. It doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, so she transforms into Spider-Woman, sees Jeff, again, falling to his death out of a very tall skyscraper, and she just says, looks like it's curtains for Jeff. <laughs> Love that so much. I think she hates him. I he's think dying. she hates him. Oh, I think so, too. I don't think she likes him. And I think next week we're going to get into a deep discussion about that. So <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, stay tuned, everybody. He looks like a fool here, but he sucks next week. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So she does actually catch him, though. She's not trying to kill Jeff. Um, This is the first time we see her use her webbing, I think. 
this time, and I think almost every time we've seen, if not every time, she shoots it like a finger gun, which is a funny way to, to do webbing. But I like it because it's different and it's silly. She also debuts a power here that we're familiar with now, but I admittedly didn't realize she had until we watched this episode the first time, a Venom Blast on Coltut, the mummy. Yep. Did you know she had a Venom Blast before we watched this show? Uh, Do you I even remember? I, I don't think I don't remember if I did or not. I don't think I did. I had no. It was mind blowing to me because I knew Venom Blast simply from Miles, which is literally what he calls it, right? A Venom Blast. Yeah, actually, I forgot. I was gonna open the show, being like, "We're going to talk about a Spider Person who isn't Peter Parker who shoots Venom Blasts." Guess who? Right. Is? Right. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, she was doing Venom Blasts before it was a cool PS5 game. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, we see it for the first time here. It does work. It works differently than Miles to a degree, but it's actually pretty similar. Basically, she can just project it kind of like a ray as opposed to Miles, which is a little bit less controlled, at least at this point. Um, So she venom blasts Coltut and the mummy freezes in place. We'll see that this kind of works this way most of the time, but it it works, you know, conveniently when she needs it in different ways. So Jeff returns to the exhibit. He snaps a picture of Spider-Woman and asks, where did Jessica go? And Spider-Woman claims that Jessica hightailed it to her office at Justice Magazine, which is exactly where we cut to next. I love all of her all of her excuses for Jessica because they're always so hyper-specific. Like, yep. oh yeah, we had a whole conversation. I, it's like, because this, it's, I know that it's stupid and pointless and it doesn't matter, but I just want to break <laughs> down the fact that this implies that Spider-Woman knows yes. that, knows that, like, she just says, I, I believe I saw her running to this way, like, in this direction. That implies yeah. that she knows that the, the direction she's running is in the direction of Justice Magazine. She knows that she works at Justice Magazine and knows that she has an office at Justice Magazine. <laughs> um, if Jeff weren't so stupid, he would pick up on the fact that Spider-Woman seems to know Jessica very, very well. <laughs> Even yeah. if he doesn't put the pieces together that she is Spider-Woman, Spider-Woman knows everything about Jessica Drew. Because she didn't even say, oh, she said she's going to Justice Magazine. Right. Like, I believe I saw her going to her office at Justice Magazine. <laughs> that is a very, very specific word structure that she didn't have to pick out and she chose yeah. to. Makes her look ultra guilty. Doesn't matter. Jeff's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, woman pretty. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like Jeff's stupid, but also doesn't care enough about women to know things about them. That's true. Um, which ends Jeff up being a so thing much. throughout the series as well, as far as we've gotten. God, Jeff sucks so much. I love it. <laughs> uh, he does. I love it. Which is funny because he's voice acted really well. Yeah. Um, so he ends up being like this really well done character who just sucks. <laughs> Yeah. It's so funny. It's fun. well, but she, the thing about Jeff, God, I don't want to. Just, we're going to talk so much about Jeff on 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 these episodes. But the thing about Jeff is that, like, if this wasn't a Spider Woman show, I think he would be a perfectly suitable protagonist for for a nineteen seventy nine like you know Probably, intrepid yeah. reporter mystery show. It's just that like because we get to see him from the lens of a woman who's in charge, we get to see him for what he really is, which is just like all the shitty toxic masculine bullshit that a lot of those protagonists had at the time. Such a good point. Such a good point. Yeah. I love, I love that this is presented through Jessica's lens. Like you said, it really colors him. That's great. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular and up patrons, Katie, Joe, Greg, Mike, Flux, Eric, Carl, and Lily. 
If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our mini-series on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like peeks behind the curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. So like we said, we do cut to her office at Justice Magazine. And Jessica's wondering how Cole Tut's mummy could have come to life. Um, and Jeff is like, I don't know, it's probably a publicity stunt or a one in a million freak accident that caused a mummy to come alive and literally throw you out of a window? What? <laughs> My favorite thing about this is he comes up with two completely unrelated explanations, which means he doesn't actually give a shit what happened. He just doesn't think Jessica's right. God, he sucks so much. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Right? Like, it's probably a publicity stunt. I don't know. Maybe it was a freak accident. Jessica clearly it didn't come to life, dummy. We're what <laughs> six minutes into this into this episode, and Jeff has given us so many reasons to hate him, like one right after another. This is actually the type of stuff that, like, you know, we were talking about. Isn't literally just like I can. I mean, she does do this at points where she says, like, I can do anything a man can do. Yeah. They still put those things in every once in a while. It's more this stuff where they like carefully craft a character who's constantly just sort of like wrong and and like dismissive of the main character who is a woman, and it just sort of like immediately puts you on the side of Jessica so frequently because you're like. <laughs> What the fuck, man? Why are you being such an <laughs> asshole? Yeah. Like, it's so great. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Because she's like, always. She so far, she's generally right about things. Um, yeah. And also, you know, just, just reacting to this mummy coming alive and trying to kill you. Her reaction would be appropriate no matter what. Just having a reaction at all. Jeff sucks. Anyway, then Jessica's nephew, Billy, runs in, who's like the show's 12-year-old character that just has to be in here for some reason. But uh, he runs in shouting news of mummies coming to life all over the country. Yeah. Okay. I think Billy, you know, we haven't seen a ton of Billy yet. I think Billy is basically just there, like, we want a kid in here, and he can be a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Based on what we've seen, like... I think he's literally just going to be like prodigy child who can do whatever they want. Sure. So, okay. He doesn't suck as much as I was expecting him to because he's Same. not he's not really that annoying. Like, I think at worst he maybe is just kind of like a like just the load that they'll have to kind of carry around that'll be in danger, which whatever. You know, it's a superhero show. Gotta yeah. have it, right? Um, he's he's like he would fit in perfectly with a cast of kids as like the nerd who just like knows things. And I don't think you would necessarily question it if he were surrounded by a bunch of people his own age or a cast that was more similar to him. And I think that's why maybe he doesn't bother me that much because there are a lot of characters in shows like him 
it just stands out a little bit because he's usually surrounded by adults. Yeah, and there's only like three characters in this main cast. Yeah. So the fact that one of them is Jessica's nephew who just hangs around her all the time. Like, <laughs> what's your story, kid? Are your parents alive? Like, what? <laughs> what? I don't know. Is, is I don't Jessica know if they know. <laughs> legal guardian? I'm sh- no, they absolutely don't know. It's that weird thing in like old TV shows where like everybody was someone's nephew or niece. Like, you could never have like the character couldn't just have a kid. Um, and they couldn't just, you know, adopt oh, a, a, point. a random – they also couldn't adopt, like, a random kid. So it's like, I don't know, Scooby-Doo's nephew. Like, what <laughs> – you know, like, everybody's – everybody's Scooby-Doo nephew, so. can't fuck. Come on. <laughs> right, exactly. But, you know, his, his sister, who is also a dog, can? Okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I love this next scene because it really sets a pattern. Like – We've gotten Jeff to this point, but <laughs> we get just a little bit more in a different different light that makes me feel really confident that these writers like know exactly what they're doing, mm-hmm. even if they frequently are just like writing fun shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because Jessica calls Chief Cooper, who is a character that we will see on and off, to ask for more information about the mummies. Chief Cooper, who's an old white guy also initially dismisses her concern as just another wild story. But he's cut (laughs) off by Detective Miller, who is a black man, who reports that Spider-Man has been captured by a living mummy in Egypt, confirming Jessica's initial story that there are mummies coming to life. So it's like, all these people are just trying to basically be like, Jessica, you're crazy. You're being hysterical. What in the world? And then all these other characters like young kids or like the black police detective or like other supporting characters we'll eventually meet are basically constantly serving the purpose of being like, no, actually, Jessica's right. (laughs) Like You're just being an asshole, dude. (laughs) It's so good. Yep. It's great. And I I can't not comment on this i understand why we had to skirt by it because that the that context is more important but just need to point out jessica doesn't call chief cooper on the phone she has yeah she has a giant video screen inside of her desk like a slot opens the the flat screen comes out of her desk and it's like a full-on futuristic video call with the police department that she has a direct line to okay she was on that zoom call life you know yeah (laughs) <laughs> hey, I mean, I guess Justice Magazine is just very, uh, very successful and very influential in the city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I really, and this will, this will come up. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's even as significant as it feels, but you know, we're gonna end up covering a number of older Spider-Man shows, and we've covered some of them already. And it always feels appropriate to mention these things, but. The fact that Detective Miller is a series regular and is a black man and is voiced by a black man, again, baseline expectations. Yeah. But don't always expect it. So I'm happy to see it. (laughs) Yeah, I am too. It's great. Very happy to see it. And I like that he is a character that ends up being a support, at least in this instance, a support to Jessica as opposed to opposition to Jessica. (laughs) Yeah, I dig it. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Also walks right in on that video call. Gives no fucks. Yeah. Yeah. Chief, Shut up, you're wrong. Chief. <laughs> Shut up, Chief. Let's let's get down to the real business. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so Jessica very abruptly ends her call with the chief and is like, all right, I'm going to pursue the story in Egypt. Uh, Jeff 
continues to suck by believing that it is an impossible <laughs> it is an impossible task to determine where the living mummies are going. Like you're not even trying, Jeff. Like what yeah. are you saying? What do you know about this? You're a fucking photographer. But Jeff is very quickly corrected by the 12-year-old Billy who is like I am just a 12-year-old, even I can figure this out, prodigious genius or not. He does some fancy math on his calculator that doesn't make any damn sense to to determine where the mummies are going and ultimately is like, you know what? Mummies are going to go to the pyramids in Egypt. Like, why? what else makes sense? Yeah. You could have figured this out, Jeff, if you weren't a fucking idiot, which you are. <laughs> exactly. Jeff is like, wait, how did you do all that? <laughs> it's just like, it's Egypt, Jeff. <laughs> there are pyramids there, Jeff. <laughs> Come on. That's <laughs> uh, so great. Yeah. It's so great. But yeah, so they immediately, Jessica, and for some reason Jeff is tagging along, set off for Egypt in Justice Magazine's Justice Jet Copter. Cool. <laughs> um, yep. Has a name and everything. Yep. And, and I mean, it's a, it's a helicopter, but it's enough of a jet to take them all the way to Egypt, I guess. I Whatever. do. Oh, I'm going to have so much to say about the Justice Jet Copter over the course of this series. Trust. Sure. sure. Actually, this episode even. I do like, and I don't know how intentional this was. I'm willing to give them credit. I love that their name of their magazine is Justice Magazine, and their vehicle is called the Justice Jet Copter, and it happens to always be piloted basically by, like, Spider-Woman. I don't think she actually pilots it most of the time, but there's, like, two meanings there, right? Like, it's the name of her magazine, and she's a superhero. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. It's cool. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Also worth noting that Billy's like, I want to come, and Jessica's like, you're 12? No. <laughs> that's yeah. good guardianship. Uh huh. I mean, that yeah, that's responsible. Like, I'm a genius. Like, you're 12. Bye. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I guess you're legal guardian, and I'm going yeah. to say that this is probably too dangerous for you. I do think it is worth noting that the way she says it, though, is the Egyptian desert is no place for a 12 year old. Mm. Jessica, normally I'm with you, but you do realize that Egyptian 12 year olds live in Egypt, right? Yeah. <laughs> She's usually cool, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She is yeah. right. This is not a mission for a 12-year-old. <laughs> right, because of the living mummies, not because of Egypt right. existing. <laughs> not because Egypt is some, like, horrible, dangerous place. <laughs> right. <laughs> there are evil genies in, in Egypt. Yeah. You don't want to go there. I, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, yeah. So Jessica and Jeff are on the copter. Jessica's spider sense shows her a vision of Spider-Man restrained against a stone wall. We also see that Billy has actually stowed away to join them anyway. He reveals himself because Jeff is asking Jessica to fetch his camera for him. <laughs> of course. Because, you know, yeah. I guess, is he actually flying the plane? He is flying the plane. So, so it does, it does actually make sense here, logistically. It's fair, yeah. She could fly the plane. Like, she could fly the helicopter, though. I feel like I would like that. You could have let her fly the helicopter, guys. I mean, but she also could be like, Jeff, my 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 servant, please, please fly the helicopter for I me. I like so that I interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Billy's like, I've got your, your camera. Jessica's like, God damn it. <laughs> I didn't realize you were here, Billy. I think that's going to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they're, of course, annoyed by Billy. He's like, hey, I'm actually an expert in cultural protocol. And also, I know Egyptian hieroglyphics, which, by the way, doesn't matter, because later on, Jessica later says that she can translate Egyptian hieroglyphics. Thank you. Anyway, so, whatever. <laughs> um, but she's like, okay, fine. I guess I can use you for something. She doesn't really ever use them for anything. He still ends up being pointless. No. But points for trying, He's already there. What are you going to do? Yeah. 
I will turn this justice jet copter around. Yeah. I mean, they're literally like in Egypt. They can see pyramids. So it's too late now anyway. (laughs) Exactly. So the trio arrive in what is now apparently the obliterated city near the pyramid. Okay. Doesn't seem necessary. Um, But it is totally destroyed. And they are greeted by a man who insists they must leave. He fills them in a little bit, um, which is good because they don't really know what's going on yet. And in doing this, he says, like, the pyramid just arrived. It's, you know, it's a new pyramid that just showed up, and it's here to get us all. And Jeff, never believing anybody but himself, is like, that can't happen. A pyramid can't just appear. Granted, he's shocked. It is weird. But it's also on brand for Jeff. Yeah. In any case, Jessica Spider-Sense shows her a vision of the living mummies approaching. Because we, you know, we kind of heard already that like they were all coming to this place even though we don't know why she knows this now and so she's like oh shoot i gotta get out of here mm-hmm. how do i get out of here and she comes up with what i hope isn't the best excuse we get because this is great and i hope we keep getting great ones <laughs> she says she forgot to call somebody to take care of her cat before no, she they specifically left. says i forgot to put the cat out but doesn't she go to call somebody to like she does. do it for her? <laughs> she says it afterwards, but the fact that like I it's the fact that like I forgot to put the cat out, like I mean oh, I know some I see what you're saying. You don't some, need to put a cat out usually. Usually I know some people have outdoor cats, like I get sure. that. But like usually like that's she could have said dog. Like dog would have made more sense. So the fact that she specifically says, I forgot to put the cat out. I need to call someone to check and make sure no. she's okay. Like <laughs> all of that is just like the worst combination that you could have put together. But here's but it's great. It's great because the excuse is terrible, as they often are. And it doesn't even matter because Jeff, again, doesn't care enough to know about the woman that he clearly has eyes for because she's just a woman and woman pretty that yeah. he's like, I didn't realize she had a cat. Oh, well, like it, doesn't even, right. like it means nothing to him because to him, he, why would he know she has a cat? She's just woman pretty. So who right. cares? Right. It should be a clue, Jeff, but you don't give a fuck. So it's not. <laughs> it's, God. Ah, Jeff. Okay. Oh man. Oh, Jeff. great. Okay. I lo- that's one of my favorite moments of this episode is her in Egypt yes. being like, I forgot to put the cat out. Yes. <laughs> It's so great. Good. And then she just like vanishes. Like just gone. <laughs> Alright, I'll meet you yeah. later. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. So yeah, so Jessica transforms into Spider-Woman. And then we cut to in the pyramid. Kuthu is monologuing to Spider-Man, who is still restrained against the wall, about his plan. He says, and I quote, Our pyramid ships landed on your earth thousands of years ago. My fellow crewmen and I were placed in suspended animation until the time our planet was ready to colonize Earth. That time has come. Soon our pyramid fleet will arrive for the final takeover. But first, my crew and I will mummify all Earth inhabitants. Woof. A lot of questions there. So, like, (laughs) the implication... If it isn't obvious, is that this is a very this is a very like typical ancient aliens story, yeah. I guess, right? Which you know is a thing that like became popular for a while and then has been gradually, I think, pretty well established now to be like very deeply problematic because the impl- implication is always like, so you didn't think the people were like good enough to be able to build the stuff on their own? It had to be fucking aliens. Like, come on. Mm, but not just the people. And this is a thing you pointed out when we did the commentary. That I will just fully admit, like, I wasn't well-versed in. So, like, I remember being like, yay, ancient aliens, because I fucking love aliens. Mm -hmm. And you were like, yeah, but it's kind of racist. And I was like, oh, 
Yeah, I guess so. Because here's the thing with ancient aliens. Nobody sits there and is like, hey, what about this castle? Do you think white people built this castle or do you yeah. think aliens built this castle? Like, no, it's only it's only black and brown people that people do this shit to with, like, the one exception of Stonehenge. <laughs> right. That's the thing is that, like, the ancient alien story as a concept is cool. Like, it's a really right. easy way to get cool stuff out of this it. This whole episode would work if you just don't do this weird Egypt shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Or, I don't know. I mean, like... I'd be curious to hear differing opinions on this. I've, But I've always been of the mind that, like, the less problematic version of this kind of story is when maybe, like, aliens come and, like, influence culture. So, like, if you have an alien that looks, I don't know, looks like a sphinx or something like that, and then and then that influences their culture, and then that's why those sort that sort of imagery starts to appear like like the way that like the, the, the original stargate movie kind of was like i don't think that that's as problematic like i think there is still problems with it because then that's still yeah. is sort of like weirdly distilling the culture to just being like like they just picked up on on alien shit but i think like, you can more appropriately use those types of stories to tell real stories whereas with just like pure ancient alien stories you can't as much yeah do you know what i mean yeah there's there's ways that I think you can sort of like use those types of tropes and not have it be a problem. I think it's just sort of like a thing you have to kind of carefully tread to not have like kind of weird implications. And again, like if it was a thing that maybe happened like once or twice, I don't think it would be as bad. But the fact that like it is its own trope and happens a lot and only pretty much exclusively happens with non-white people is what makes it a problem. Yeah. And and in this case, I also wouldn't – it wouldn't have been – I don't think – at first I was sort of like, oh, okay, so they're just like maybe they're – they just like – look like Egyptian pyramids and maybe like the Egyptians, like ancient Egyptians were inspired by them. But then the implication here by his monologue is that like all mummies are aliens and all pyramids are spaceships, I guess. Right. They could, they could have. So I think the best way that they could have avoided any sort of weird racist type stuff, or at least xenophobic type stuff is like, just make them ancient aliens that aren't basically like alien ancient Egyptians. They almost do something a bit more gray by including things like we already talked about, like explaining how mummification works or talking about ancient Egypt, because then you could have at least done what you're talking about, which is to say, like, okay, we're telling a story where there are ancient Egyptians who did these things, and that is firmly established and not undermined. And also there are these ancient aliens who do similar things here on Earth. And who knows how those two things influenced each other, but they're separate. Problem is, the episode doesn't do the separation hard enough. And we saw that, like, Kaltut mummy come to life in an ancient Egypt exhibit. And then we only ever see after this point, like, mummies being aliens. We never see, yeah. like, a mummy that's not an alien. Well, it um, opens up a ton of questions about, like, history, too. Because it's sort of like, if every mummy is an alien, then, like, <laughs> what... Why are they named after, like, pharaohs? Like, why are they named after people? Well. Like, what happened to the people? And that's that's why I think, like, they could have done a good job separating the two. And then it would have been like, oh, wow, of course we never noticed the aliens because they look like something we're familiar with that is a separate thing. Yeah. But they they weren't thinking like we are. And so they just mash it all together. And we end up with, like, weird Egyptian references to things that are alien even though some things are also separate. Yeah. It's weird. Because the naming thing, the naming thing, I think, comes up in a weirder way even later. Uh-huh. And it ends up being contradictory within the episode, I think, yeah. too, between, like, what, 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 then what is ancient Egyptian, like, 
history right. at all, then like what what's what is any of this? Which they refer to. Like they explicitly <laughs> yeah. refer to learning about ancient Egyptian history, and they even go so far as to make sure that all the pyramids that we see the aliens in are different than what we are familiar with, right? They right. all were underground. It's not as as we understand it, not the pyramids at Giza. And they're purple. They're all purple. So they yeah. could they could have had it. They could have done it. <laughs> I know. And it's something that's so like, close. I, mean, I know they're not they're not thinking that deeply into these yeah, scripts, they're not like even, obviously. Um of course. But even, you know, I mean and, and and you have to be able to kind of take like the problematic stuff of stuff from nineteen seventy nine, like the way the way that it is, but it's like it's frustrating when it's like it's not even like you created a good story out of like the problematic stuff that you did because the story itself that you created is so contradictory and full of like ridiculous holes that you with just a little bit of tightening, you could have fixed and made it less racist, but I'm just okay. bummed because <laughs> Spider-Woman starts with an alien invasion story. Come on. I'm like jazzed about that. So yeah. But like, like ugh, come on. <laughs> why did it, why did it have to be Why? The ancient alien Egyptian stuff. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that's, I mean, if you did listen to our commentary before this, I mean, that all happens in real time, so we didn't get into it, but that's, that's the ancient alien problem stuff in a bit more detail than we covered last time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So outside the pyramid, Jeff and Billy determine this must be the one. This is probably the new one. Not just because it's, it wasn't here before, which we could have just looked up. Um, and not because it's deep purple in color or anything, but because Billy doesn't remember learning about this one in history. So again, referencing pyramids that aren't this one in history yeah. that he learned about. Anyway, yeah. so they see a door. This is <laughs> not explained. They see a door appear on the side of the pyramid and they just make their way inside. Okay. I guess maybe because it's alien tech, they knew they were out there and said like, come on in. Also doesn't <laughs> matter. Getting too detailed. Yeah. As one would expect, (laughs) the two of them immediately set off a booby trap inside this pyramid and begin sinking in a pit of quicksand. I do like, even though though we just addressed how problematic all this is, I do like that they, like, adapt the booby traps to be, like, alien technology. So, like, the tripwire they use is actually, like, a laser. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and they, like, acknowledge that the booby traps are all more mechanical by the standards of 1980 than mechanical by the standards equally awesome if not more awesome than the mechanical standards of like ancient egypt which relied way more on physics you know what i mean no, that's that's a good point yeah because they could have they could have gone like full indiana jones with that which didn't that, that hadn't even been made yet but like full oh, you shit. know that kind of um yeah that kind of vibe where it's just like yeah ancient traps being set and everything and they don't do that which is which is Smart, mm-hmm. yeah, I like And that. we see a little bit more of that later with traps where it's like, oh, that's not just like physics. That's a machine, yeah. like a metal machine. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, that's funny. So yeah, so they're sinking in quicksand now. We cut to Spider-Woman who arrives at the pyramid by gliding. I think she just straight up flies in this show, honestly, yeah. but, <laughs> you In know. this show, she's flying, but it's, it's, I think it's supposed to be gliding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And her spider sense, of course, uh, ever the plot mover, shows her a vision of Jeff and Billy sinking inside. So she's like, all right, I'm going to head in there. She climbs up the pyramid and finds a way inside. She remarks to herself that, like we said, she's also studied hieroglyphics, which like, okay, then you didn't mention that when Billy said that, but whatever. Mm -hmm. But, uh, But she's like, I don't recognize the hieroglyphics in here. I wonder, they seem like they're sort of these interesting 
technological, futuristic alien hieroglyphics. And then Kuthu shows up and finds her. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this. They briefly shit talk each other, but they shit talk each other in like their own specific charming ways. Yeah. So like she shit talks him like a 1979 like cosmopolitan woman, and he shit talks her like like he's not from Earth. Like <laughs> it's so funny. But it ultimately is them shit talking each other. And it's such a funny exchange. But ultimately Kuthu quickly traps Spider-Woman by dropping the floor underneath her. I think he uses a finger gun again. Drops the floor underneath her into a chamber below where the walls begin to close around her. And I don't know when else we'll mention this. So eventually we learn, just because I just talked about this, that the way this chamber works is actually, it seems like metal hydraulics and stuff. When she does get out, you kind of see like the behind the scenes of it. That's when I notice like, oh, all these traps are like, not meant to be like ancient Egyptian traps. They're meant to be like alien spaceship traps. Right. Smart. Very smart and surprising. Mm-hmm. Outside, an army of living mummies are chanting Kuthu's name, and he announces that in two Vortons, the attack fleet from their planet Hotep will mm-hmm. arrive. Um, <laughs> you have you had you had thoughts about that, right? <laughs> yeah. So the planet Hotep, I mean, right off the bat, I was like, did you just pull like a random word? And the answer, you know, obviously I don't have a a first degree answer. Like, I don't know from the creators. But my initial reaction was like, okay, like you just you're just randomly pulling things that sound Egyptian. But Mm -hmm. here's what's actually weird about it. It's either really ironic in the fact that this is an alien planet invading other planets or it's actually really appropriate because Mm -hmm. from the little bit of research that I did, not claiming any expertise here whatsoever. From the little research I did, Hotep, like, roughly translates to basically, like, peace. And I was like, well, that's kind of ironic, considering they're, like, invading other planets and, like, destroying shit. But it could also kind of translate to, like, order resulting from fulfilling the universe's purpose or whatever, Mm -hmm. which also could really work, because... Basically, it's like the kind of like warped, fucked up Manifest Destiny shit that you would kind of sort of embody with colonialization. We were like, no, this is just order. Us invading you is just the natural order. So I can't. It's like weird. Certainly, they didn't think of either one of those things. I think they just pulled something that sounded (laughs) Egyptian. But accidentally, they made something, I think, that was either really ironic or actually really deep. (laughs) That's that is fascinating. I love right? that. I love that stuff. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I also love. I mean, a lot of that is just made possible by the fact that you know languages don't perfectly translate into each other. So is sure. it just peace or is it peace through order? <laughs> that is fascinating. Oh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> love yep. it. Yeah. Well, Kuthu instructs his mummy minions or whatever to uh, return to and prepare their pyramid ships. And after briefly disappearing into the sand, they all emerge in similar purple pyramid ships. So now, Kuthu's ship is distinguished by a sphinx sitting on its peak, which also serves as his ship's bridge. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not at this point? Really only serves the purpose of showing us which one is his. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah. Well, as he kind of initiates this plan to mummify all Earthlings... Spider-Woman devises a plan to escape her predicament. So, (laughs) thanks to her (laughs) high-frequency spider hearing, 
She detects sand spiders in the wall that she then commands with her spider telepathy to chew through the limestone wall of the chamber. By the way, the wall is like very close to the other wall. Like she's very squeezed in here and these are very tiny spiders. So they are working overtime to chew through the the wall because when, you know, Uh when we see it next, it's a giant hole in the wall. So I have a lot of questions. I don't know how sand spiders work or if they really just eat limestone. I feel like that can't be right, but I don't know. Maybe they do. I would assume that if a sand spider even exists and has anything to do with limestone at all, they probably like burrow into it for like shelter. I don't know. Total assumption based on nothing. I just love that this show makes zero attempt to show how this actually worked. They literally just cut from her being like, telepathy to like massive hole in the wall from the other side of the chamber (laughs) yep (laughs) they're just like we're not gonna be able to explain this one so let's not try (laughs) yep 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 that's i want to keep a long running list of all the powers that she has too because this is two extra powers now that she has in addition to like her her regular power set yep yep well so it works she's she's on the other side of the wall those sand spiders work very quickly (laughs) somehow Nearby to Spider-Man, though, Jeff and Billy, who are now also restrained, worry that they're never going to be found. They're like, people aren't going to discover us for another 3,000 years. Okay, Billy. (laughs) Chill out. (laughs) Yeah, Spider-Man yells to them, also restrained to the wall, that he'll figure out a way out. Spider-Woman arrives and just like, it's just like, I know what to do. Quickly Venom blasts the restraints away. And uh, Spider-Man doesn't even, like, realize she's there until he's, like, somehow just broken out of his constraints. And it's like, all right. All right, I'm out. Okay, now I'll rescue you. A what? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I really want to believe happened? I really want to believe that Spider-Man was struggling the entire time. And her Venom Blast actually, like, disabled the mechanism that keeps them restrained. I love that. So he didn't actually even free himself. She freed him. (laughs) And he's like, I got it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's just my personal headcanon here because it yeah. makes it even funnier. It is funny. It is funny. But yeah, he's, he's surprised like Spider-Woman and she's like, well, were you expecting the Hulk? And he's like, oh, weird that you're here. Anyway, I got to go stop Kuthu and just like leaves. So like, okay, <laughs> yep. bye. Yep. I'll get him. <laughs> right. Jeff and Billy for the first time in a very long time are like, oh, by the way, Jessica was here in Egypt, too. Is she okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel, don't they say, like, was it this episode or the la- uh, the next one where they're like, she was supposed to meet us hours ago. You're like, <laughs> yeah. hours ago? What? God. But yeah, Spider-Woman is just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. She said she'll meet you at the jet copter. And they're like, okay. And she's very proud of her brilliant excuse that she just came up with, by the way. <laughs> She doesn't even have to try hard. There's nothing to be proud of here. You could tell Jeff anything. That's true. Honestly, if this, so if they sort of like kept that dynamic in a modern sense, I would like to believe that she constantly like lies to Jeff and Billy and it actually works on Jeff, but it's revealed that it's never worked on Billy. And Billy kind of like has always known she's Spider Woman. And it's like, well, yeah, your excuses are terrible. And she's like, but they work on Jeff. And yeah. Billy's just like, well, yeah, he's an idiot. Like, <laughs> that's, that's how I would write it nowadays. <laughs> yeah, love it. Love it. Okay, this is where things get real wild, I think. (laughs) Because we leave Egypt, which I was not expecting. And I actually remember very little of the episode after this point. From when we watched it. I obviously remember it now. (laughs) So the pyramids make their way from 
Egypt to London, England, and descend over London and begin to mummify its citizens. Spider-Man swings into action because he said he was going to stop Khuthu. So he tries to web up Khuthu's ship controls from his perch atop Big Ben, but Khuthu vaporizes Spider-Man's webs, just like before, and blasts Spider-Man just like before because spider-man didn't learn anything so spider-man is knocked from his big ben perch and just sort of like hangs there and then as he's hanging there notices like wait a second i was hit by this ray and now i'm turning into a mummy oh no so useless he's so useless in this episode. It's funny. <laughs> he really really is so funny well we cut back to egypt and jessica's spider sense is showing her a vision of what we just saw spider-man hanging hanging from big ben and she instructs Jeff to just fly to London immediately. And in, in a case that is appropriate, it's just like, why? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> why are we doing this? And she's just like, it's just a woman's intuition. Don't ask questions. Just go. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's, <laughs> I love it so much. She doesn't even try. It's just like, just just do it. Just do mm-hmm. it. You're, you're my employee. Do what I say. <laughs> yes. Just do it, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, so they arrive, they find Spider-Man still hanging from the clock tower, continuing to take a bunch of blasts from Kuthu's pyramid ship. He's like, one more blast and I'm done for. Uh, and then Jessica <laughs> is like, okay, so I need to change into Spider-Woman, but I also have a secret identity, but I'm also in this jet copter right now, so like, there's really not really a good way that I can transform into Spider-Woman. So she comes up with this plan to... <laughs> open the door to the helicopter and pretend to fall out of the helicopter, (laughs) which is an extremely traumatic moment for both Jeff and Billy. You know, Jeff watching his boss slash the woman he's been lusting after and Billy watching his aunt, whom he loves, fall out of a helicopter to her death (laughs) spontaneously. (laughs) And then they don't see her again for a very, very long time. No. So, you know, she picks the most extra and traumatic way to transform into Spider-Woman in the air and fly fly into the action. Here's how I'll get away from the situation. I'll jump out of the helicopter. (laughs) Okay. Jessica. She hates hates these people. She hates Jeff, so she wants to scar him. Uh Uh-huh. She figures, like, Billy's smart enough. He's got the mental fortitude to get over this. So and she wants Jeff to be fucked up. And I'm still, I'm not actually expecting this, but I'm just going to operate like Billy knows that she's Spider-Woman. I ho- <laughs> I think that that's probably the best way to operate through this show. Because otherwise, yeah. Jessica. And anytime he doesn't, it's to appease Jeff's stupidity. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Love it so much. <laughs> so, I mean, this works for what she needed to do in the immediate, not necessarily in the protecting the the people that love her Um, because she does catch Spider-Man as he's falling. Obviously Spider-Man is still like, I must stop Kuthu. My one purpose is to stop Kuthu. And so he like jumps into action, but ends up sort of like stumbling and Spider-Woman's like, Whoa, buddy, like you need to chill. Like you are hurt. And they sort of like see that Spider-Man, instead of just having like a little bit of bandaging, I think at this point, like his arms and legs are almost all bandaged up. Yeah. And so he's not as rapidly as other people, but is is pretty quickly turning into a mummy. And so Spider-Woman recommends they visit the Institute of Egyptology in Geneva, Switzerland to figure out a cure for Spider-Man's progressing mummification. 
In the middle of this alien invasion in London, by the way. Yes. Now, I would like to pause for just a moment. Okay. This show is ridiculous, and it is not trying, and I'm going to acknowledge that. So this is not a nitpick or an indictment of whether this show is good or bad at what it's trying to do. But I was curious, okay? So, I looked up (laughs) how long it would take a commercial jet, not a helicopter, a commercial jet to get from New York. They're in New York, right? Are we assuming that? Have they specified otherwise? They they haven't specified yet. We can just assume that. So from New York to Giza, and then from Giza to London... And then from London to Geneva. I did not even include the trip back to New York. Just everything we see here while the aliens are invading and mummifying people. A commercial jet alone would take 17 hours to get to all those places. Commercial jets are also three and a half times faster than an average helicopter. So if their helicopter travels at the speed of an average helicopter, and it probably doesn't, it's a jet copter... Sure. It would have taken them like 66 hours travel time alone to get to all these places in the middle of an alien invasion. Here's the other wrinkle, too. To get to Geneva. What did they take? They don't have the jet copter. Jeff and Billy are in the jet copter. And we see them later. They haven't reconnected (laughs) with Jessica or Spider-Woman. So So how'd they get there? (laughs) I love the show so much. It just doesn't care. It's like, we want to travel the world. We're going to travel the world. Don't ask questions. Yeah. I'm so sorry, show. I ask questions. I know I'm not supposed to. Yeah. I was just curious. It's wonderfully I love you stupid. so much. Wonderfully stupid. Exactly. Yeah. But in case you all were curious, yes, we were too. Cool. Cool. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you for doing that. Because I was thinking of doing something like that and did not have the patience to. 66 hours. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> of travel time. Okay. 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 Yeah. So, you know, we just cut to Switzerland now. <laughs> I do appreciate that this show is very clearly wanting to be a global show and, like, yeah. feature the world. That's really cool. That's another thing I think is a little Superman-y about it. Not that – I mean, Superman obviously is very, like, incorporated into Metropolis, but because he had the ability to fly all over the sure. world, they would certainly do that in a lot of the older cartoons. It's weird for Spider-Woman because, you know, she can't fly at, like, you know, at light speed like Superman can. Sure. But they're still trying to do it. But outside the universe, it actually makes a lot of sense because if they are both in New York and they want her to be very separate from Spider-Man, what better way to do that than to not have her in New York all the time? I mean, that's a very good point. And, you know, it also separates her more that she doesn't work for just like a metropolitan newspaper. She works for a magazine that I presume is meant to be like a Time magazine or a Life magazine, something where your reporting would take you all around the world. So. It's yeah. uh, it's cool, and it, it, yeah, it does it does help separate her a bit from from a lot of the standard superheroes. Yeah, it it actually is explained why she's in Egypt. We don't get that for Spider Man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the Spiderlings are in Switzerland. Um, the doctors are removing Spidey's indestructible bandages. I guess they're not that indestructible because you can take them off. Yeah, know, that whatever. was a weird detail. I don't, I don't get that. I don't really. Weird. I mean, the mummification thing does not work whatsoever. Like, it doesn't make any sense. No. I was like, are his arms mummified underneath the bandages? Oh, no, they're just indestructible bandages covering him that the doctors can remove with, like, tongs. But if he's fully covered into bandages, he's mummified permanently. So mm. do you become mummified, like a mummified <laughs> alien zombie when you're fully covered, but you have to be fully covered first? I guess that's how it the works. The end of the episode only provides more questions. Of course it does. <laughs> no yeah. answers. Yeah. That's another thing they could have if they really wanted to be intentional separating what the aliens are from actual 
Egyptians with these traditions, they could have done that, but they, they don't. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> also, Spider-Woman refers to this problem as mummy bondage. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, there's some of your Wonder Woman blood getting getting into there. <laughs> but there's also some fun speculation happening about trying to figure out the science of how all this works speculating that like there's much we don't know about how the ancient egyptians used mummification and 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 built the pyramids and how all that worked and they speculate that like the shape of the pyramids aged in the ancient egyptians mummification process somehow to which spider woman says and i quote Pyramid power, of course. <laughs> of course. <sighs> like you didn't need to. This is this is the Institute of Egyptology that is globally recognized, saying they don't understand how mummification works. <laughs> Even though they were just like explaining how mummification worked at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> There's much we don't know. I, uh... I feel like certain parts of this episode were written by different people and like some writers were like i really want to look into egypt and pyramids and mummification and other writers were like aliens (laughs) except it was one credited writer no i know (laughs) i know it feels that way though like i oh god it's great i mean it's terrible and they didn't need this either it's just like you've got the aliens you don't fucking have to try to explain it and now you're just like there's pyramid waves create mummies like what are you doing you don't Stop. I remembered none of this. No. I'm so excited to go back and hear our reaction because all of this was brand new to me. <laughs> I, was like, I mean, clearly I haven't watched this before, right? No, I have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, this was like the second or third that we were recording in a row, drinking a lot. And sure. by this point in the episode, we were probably just like, just screaming. So like, I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Oh, boy. So, inspired by this new information, this pyramid power, Spider-Woman says, I have a plan. And the Spider-Duo return to London to confront the invading pyramid ship fleet. So, Spider-Woman glides onto Kuthu's pyramid ship and challenges him to catch her. She glides away, leads Kuthu to an alley, just an alley, where Spider-Man ends up building a web cube around the pyramid ship, which completely disorients the ship and Kuthu, and Kuthu recognizing that they've figured out their weakness, calls off the whole attack, calls off the entire invasion, says, guys, they've got our number, they figured it out, the only way we have power is pyramids, and they've turned me into a cube, and I'm just freaking out right now, guys, we need to go. <laughs> and they Fabulous. do. The entire pyramid flies off. That's it. They figured us out. Fantastic. I can't, you couldn't, you couldn't have asked for a better, the thing is, if I was trying to write something ridiculous, I would never be able to come up with this. I don't know, I don't know how this is a thing that is in the brain of any writer that, that makes it to this TV show. I don't understand how you come up with this. Here's the thing. This feels like the type of thing that would end up in a sort of surrealist cartoon from the 2010s right yeah this is some like peak adult swim shit yes where it does or even or even like the in-between stuff like i could see adventure time doing this or regular show show doing this where they're just like unabashedly surreal 
and they, they don't apologize for it. So they just say absolute nonsense shit. And you're like, well, of course, I'm supposed to watch this while I'm high as fuck, right? What's so fascinating about it here is that, like, that's not even what this show is. And this is still what they came up with. And I love it so much. I wonder how much of it is just like, I mean, a lot of cartoons, I think, were this ridiculous at, the, at this time. And I think, we, you know, our memories of it are just flawed because we're, we're not being apart. We probably haven't watched a lot of a lot of these cartoons. Right. We're remembering how it felt, not what it was. Yeah. But even still, I mean, even disregarding that, like. The fact that the 60s show preceded that and that show is, like, known for being, like, unabashedly surreal. <laughs> I have to imagine that, like, that just being kind of part and parcel with Spider-Man by this point is, like, sure. that's going to that's gonna affect things. So it's just, like, yeah, hey, we don't have, we don't have to – we can be unafraid of, of getting surreal. Again, it. a lot of cartoons, I think, are probably doing that if you, if you look back and watch them. <laughs> but it's almost, like, in the bones of a Spider-Person cartoon at this point in time. <laughs> Yeah, and I expect we're going to get a lot of it because the explanation for how to defeat enemies, at least in these first two episodes, very much slaps of this, where it's like, sure. if I just do this completely ridiculous thing, I'll win. Great, bring it on. I love it. I Like you said, I could never predict it or write it, so I'm happy mm-hmm. to see it. Yeah, it's certainly unpredictable. It keeps me on my toes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they figured out our weakness. Cubes. <laughs> and not only that, when they leave... All they have to do is leave, and the the mummification of the Londoners disappears. Like, they're fine. Yeah. They were not fully mummified under there. I guess not. Yep. Or at all mummified under there. Or they reverted back to... I don't... Yeah. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Don't ask too many questions. Are there mummies left? I don't know. Don't ask questions. (laughs) Yeah. Are there no no pyramids left on Earth anymore? Did every mummy across the world and every museum come alive and then leave like what there's like did this would have fundamentally changed the world as we know it forever that's why i think this could have worked if they just sorted things out they just didn't and they didn't didn't want to (laughs) oh boy all right so the episode wraps up (laughs) consequences Yep, all that's over. Spider-Man just leaves, I guess. He doesn't really get a goodbye or anything. Well, no, he gets a little goodbye. He's like, I hope we work together again. Bye. Yeah. Um, and we know that they will. He, he'll show up again. But yeah, he was totally pointless for be, for him to be in this episode, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did literally nothing. But anyway, we cut to a bench in the park, and Jeff and Billy <laughs> are just sitting sad, lamenting the death of Jessica Drew, because, again, she fell out of a fucking helicopter uh-huh. Full dead. And they never found the body. And it's been presumably hours because, again, Jessica and Spider-Man went to Switzerland, spent some time there, came back, defeated an alien empire from invading. It's pro- It might have been a whole week. Who knows? <laughs> She's been gone for a long time. Very possible. Very possible. We have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> And Jessica, so they're just, like, legitimately distraught over the death of someone that they loved. And Jessica's like, what are you boys crying about? We have work to do. (laughs) We have a story to write. (laughs) Guys, come on. (laughs) Hop to it. (laughs) (laughs) The best kind of nonsense. But you know what, though? I am okay with Jessica traumatizing Jeff explicitly. 
specifically because of what happens in this very same scene. Because uh-huh. Jeff theoretically should be elated that this woman he thought was fundamentally completely utterly dead. <laughs> he thought that she was dead. They even like they don't say the word dead, but they say like I can't believe Jessica is gone. They think that she has died a horrible painful death. Yeah. And they will never see her see her again. Uh-huh. Instead of being like thank God Jessica you're alive. He's just like Oh, well, this proves my point that I was right, that this was too dangerous for a woman. Fuck off, Jeff. Dude, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's happening in your brain, man? It's like, is this like peak toxic masculinity where like you have to take every opportunity to assert your like shitty manliness to the point where like the woman that you loved or at least like has sexual feelings toward you thought that she was dead and you found out that she's alive and your response to this news is to like show her up to, yeah. and, and like uh, you're alive. Great. One more chance to put you in your place, woman. Right. Oh my or, God. Or if we're being the most generous, the most generous, you're alive. I can't let you know. Cause I want to fuck you that I was crying. So I'm just going to be a dick to you because I can't handle feelings. Also right. toxic also not okay because it's not even because here's the thing i think that there's a way for this to be written it's to be shitty mind you but there's a way for it to be written where it's a little more sympathetic where it's just sort of like i can't i never want to lose you jessica that's why i don't want you to be in these dangerous situations like that's at least coming from a place of like sympathy you know yeah like and care but no, he is doing this for an I told you so moment. It is explicitly <laughs> framed <Exactly>. like that. <laughs> he's so callous about it. Oh my God. I've never, I can't, he's, I, he, he's, sucks. He sucks. I don't understand why a person can suck this much. Jeff sucks. <laughs> you know what though? I genuinely look forward to just hating Jeff. Just ripping him <laughs> apart at every opportunity because, oh, apparently there are going to be numerous opportunities to rip Jeff apart. So, oh, yeah. cool. If, if this is any indication <laughs> and if next week is any indication, we will not be, we will not want for Jeff uh, situations to, to rip apart. <laughs> Man. Uh, well, the episode ends with a funny um, because a spider ends up crawling up Jessica's leg as she's being chastised by this man. She screams and Billy is like, oh, wait, Aunt Jessica, if only you could be a bit more like Spider-Woman. <laughs> is she doing like a Clark Kent thing where it's just like trying to look like she's just a fearful woman in this moment just to throw off suspicion? I think it's unclear, but I think it's 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 perfectly acceptable to read it that way because it's unclear. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you could make the argument either way, and I think the more appropriate argument based on everything we saw in this episode is that she's pretending. Cool. That's fine. That's what I'm choosing to believe, at least. I'm okay with that. I hate the fact that it like she's like reaffirming Jeff's bullshit, but yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, she's got her secret identity to protect, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess she like. She's reaffirming it. I, I would have liked a little bit. I mean, she she sort of like smirks when Billy says his thing. Yeah. So like it's it's at least the sort of like, I know, but it would have been nice to get an acknowledgement of the actual spider situation so that it isn't unclear. Because <laughs> yeah. then at least it's a situation where it's like, well, I'm just I'm in control here and I'm choosing I'm, I'm choosing what Jeff perceives. That yeah. to me would have been fine. Yeah, I mean, she basically, like, has no flaws, so, like, 
I feel like it would be in character for her to just like really be constantly in control all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her flaw can't be that she's afraid of spiders. Come on. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a Batman situation. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, all right. Um, one face of the episode that I feel like we could use over and over again, oh but God. we're just going to get it out of the way. When Jessica has a spider sense vision, she closes her eyes and like holds onto her head to sort of like fully immerse herself in the vision. It kind of also looks like a headache. Um, so I'm not really <laughs> sure if it's just her spider sense going off or if it's actually just like her constantly having to deal with Jeff's bullshit. Either way, it's a good face and it works in both situations. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it is. Man, this show's fun. This show's really fun. It's, um, which it's really fun. <laughs> we expected. Um, yeah. I mean, just some, just some like spare thoughts, I guess, about it sure. is if you're going, if, if you are listening and you are like, oh, this makes me want to watch it because it sounds ridiculous. You are, you do run into your kind of like typical stuff from cartoons at the time where there's a lot of like stock footage and reused like mm-hmm. character, you know, even between the two episodes that we've watched, like pretty much every movement that Jessica makes in this episode, you'll see again next week. And I'm sure yeah. that it'll be like that every week. It's just part and parcel for American cartoons at this time. You do, It does come with that. There is some good animation sometimes, though. And and I think the character designs, honestly, are a little – I like them a little bit better than, like, the 80s shows. Like, sometimes I think they're a little, mm. a little – almost a little more comic booky in some ways. Also – I really like Joan Van Ark's performance. I think she's having yeah. a shit ton of fun and she's she's really fun to listen to. She distinguishes her Jessica Drew from her Spider-Woman ever so slightly. Yeah. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. It's a great performance. Like she's, you know, you sometimes especially when it's like a live action actor that goes into voice acting, you can kind of tell they're phoning it in a little bit, but she's in it. Like she's yeah. it's a really good performance. Yeah. I think also like um you know, we talk about how this this episode isn't necessarily trying to do a whole lot. Like, it's it's just being ridiculous and fun yeah. in a superhero show. But I do think it'll be interesting to sort of, like, see what they do end up doing well, either intentionally or otherwise. I actually think this episode – I mean, I mentioned it along the way, so I'm not going to drive it home too much. I actually think this episode could have genuinely been, like, a really good episode of a show if they had just, like, cut out a couple excessive things like the trip to Geneva – if they had tweaked some of the stuff um, that's culturally ignorant and if they had tweaked some details, I actually think this would be like a solid episode of a fun superhero action show, which I don't think was is always going to be the case with this show. Yeah. I don't think this is the messiest episode by a long shot that we're going to end up watching. And I feel like that's worth noting. Yeah, I'm sure. I agree. So it's like relatively put together <laughs> for, for a show that's not necessarily trying to be that. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's the premiere or whatever, but it, it works. Spoiler alert, works a lot better for me than next week. Oh, God. Uh, yep. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I fully agree. <laughs> close this one out and let you guys uh, come back next week and find out why, I suppose. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Do you have any other closing thoughts on this one or any uh, leftover notes? Nah, it's it's fun. It's fun. We'll, we'll have more stuff that comes up throughout it. It's a fun show. I'm excited to watch more of this. It's a really yeah. nice reprieve from some of the denser stuff that we've done um it's you just know. a weird ride it really is i love it's i think it's gonna be i think this will this will have struck this will have struck in is what i wanted to say i don't think that's even a word this will have this will have struck in a nice balance between um like the hard surrealism of the 60s show and just some of the nonsense from that and like 
the sort of silly ridiculousness of the 80s shows, yeah. I think this will – I think ultimately this will end up falling kind of in a nice medium between that, which I like. I think yeah. that really appeals to my sensibilities for sure. Yeah. I think this is going to – I think this is going to hit for both of us. Um, yeah. And it's just – it's like you said, it's a nice, nice little different thing. Um, if you would like to get some other different stuff, stuff that feels a little different than what we normally do, kind of like this but even further from this, um, you can check out our Patreon. That's where we put everything – that isn't really under the main feed recap deep dive category. We do spider bites there, like we mentioned at the top of this, commentaries there, like we mentioned at the top of this, and occasionally just other stuff we feel like throwing there. So check that out at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers. First tier is a dollar and you get almost everything. So it's worth worth popping into. Um, you can also find us individually all over the place. Derek, where can people find you and the things you are working on? Uh, hi, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. Also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. One day there will be another new episode. We'll see. <laughs> It'll happen eventually. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. If you like Pokemon things, you can find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast, where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. If you're a reader, if you're a gamer, if you're a pop culture sort of enthusiast you can check me out on a podcast called novel gaming where my friends katie and vicky and i talk about everything we've been reading playing and can't get out of our heads if you'd like more of me and derek talking about things that aren't spider-man you can check out our monthly podcast called falling with style an ongoing pixar movie marathon where we watch every pixar film chronologically our episode on toy story 2 which is a really good one is out right now, available wherever you get your podcasts. You can visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. It kind of collects everything we do, so it's worth checking out. Also has an archive of all of our episodes by series. So if you're like, hey, I want to check out something else you've done, but I've only watched these shows, you can see exactly what we've already talked about and start wherever you'd like. Follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod. You can also email us at Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about uh, Spider Woman and what your journey is is like as we go on ours. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, but Apple Podcasts is the most engaged with, so it does help us out. If you like what we're doing, somebody else will too. And of course, next week, join us as Spider Woman battles the ruler of the dark dimension and workplace harassment. In the episode, Realms of Darkness. See you then. Bye. Jeff still sucks. Yep. I like big. But, 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 but.